0: Welcome to Sunday Letters on Sunday the 27th of June 2021. Larry McGuire here. This week I wanted to chat to you about a topic that, although has become more open in terms of discussion, broader discussion amongst you and I, the general public, uh, we've grasped the nettle of it to some extent. I think suicide is still an enormous topic subject for us to get our heads around probably impossible to understand for any of us who haven't been there on the edge and I wanted to talk to you this week about a friend of mine Declan that I met when I was 16 and just a couple of things about that time and for no other reason than He's been on my mind um, for the last couple of years, even comes in and out. You know, I remember him and he's gone now. And even though years have passed. I can still see his face, you know, and um, I wonder. I don't know what I wonder, to be honest with you. When I heard he had taken his own life. uh, I wasn't emotional about it. But I did wonder what the fuck, you know, and I still do. It's it's probably an unresolvable. Thing to have lost a loved one, a friend or a family member to suicide. And I don't know what to do about that other than to write about it. And the fact that he's occupying my headspace means that there's, there's something here for me to figure out. So I'll get into that story in a bit. Before I do, I want to tell you about the Sunday Letters community over on Discord. It costs nothing to join uh, except your email and your time. If you'd like to engage with me and other readers of Sunday Letters, well, then that's the place to do it. Um, There's a link in today's uh, essay down the bottom. Just have a little piece on it. And it's somewhere where you you and I can engage in text, voice, video. Uh, Share links, uh, discuss topics that matter to us, topics including art, work, philosophy, psychology, society, culture, politics. You name it. If you want to discuss it and you think that it matters, well, then that's where to do it. I'm in there nearly every day. I've got the app on my phone and it bings every time someone drops a comment. Now, there may come a point where that's impossible. But at the moment, um, there's uh, few enough members for that to be possible. I think there's 20 people in there at the minute. And uh, I'd love if you joined. There's a link in today's Sunday Letters. Uh, If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Anchor or Pocket Casts or whatever, Spotify, wherever you're getting your podcast, go to the episode description and you should see a link there. If it's not there, go to sundayletters.larrygmcguire.com and the latest article, you'll find the link. Click on it, enter your email, etc, etc. And in you go. Uh, what happens when you join is you'll have to just agree to particular rules of engagement. You know, the normal stuff like no porno, no violence, no abuse, uh, no partisan uh, religious views, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, in other words don't in other words don't be a bollocks. All right. You go in there, you you engage in conversation, you be courteous to one another, and that's it. So I hope to see you in there. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting that, that thing going a bit more. We'll see. Um we'll see where it goes. So without um that was just it binging in the background there actually. So we'll just see right while I'm talking to you, I'll have a gander. So um In the meantime, uh, let's get into today's article. So when I was 16, well, 15, just before I turned 16, September 19. Would have been, I suppose, after the summer nineteen ninety. 1990. Uh, it's just come, coming up on my 16th birthday. And the Alpha said that. Um, the company had a position for me if I wanted it, they'd sponsor me for my apprenticeship. And I didn't, you know, really want to do it. Let's be honest. I kind of was hesitant, but I was essentially told uh, more so by my mother than I was by my father that I was going to do this job. I was going to take the job. I was going to do the training and and that's it. No choice. Uh, So I took it and I thought no more about it. I got into it and I gave it my best for a long time. And it's been good to me. I mean, I enjoyed the work. But when we started the first year, When you were sponsored back at that time, uh, you went to the training center for a year. So you do three weeks in the training center and one week in college in third level. Kevin Street, Dublin Institute of Technology. And um, I really enjoyed that time. Like that was, I suppose, a coming of age, 15, 16 years of age. It's the moment when you realize that. uh, Well, at least I realized that I was an independent human being and that I was actually I existed in the world. Before that, if I try and think about my childhood and stuff, it's like watching a film, not me. But when I was 15, 16, and I went to the training center, started training as a spark uh, with all these other guys. That's the moment when I became me, if that makes sense. So I was quiet. Uh, I liked chit chat and having a crack and all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, I like to keep to myself until I get to know people. So a little bit hesitant, stand on the edge, see what's going on and then go in. And I suppose that's sensible in a way, isn't it? It stops you getting your hands burnt, getting into trouble, you know, when you see what's going on first and then take it from there. So, um, you know, I went into the training center, didn't know anyone there. And then I made a few friends and one friend was uh, Deco. And myself and Declan lived in the same area, not too far from the training center. In fact, it took about 15 minutes to walk to it, 15, 20 minutes to walk to it in the mornings. So we started at eight o'clock, and uh, I'd leave the gaff about half seven and, and wander up. And I'd, I'd always meet Deco on Willow Park Road, and we'd walk up towards uh, Poppentry Park, um, which sat between what was called Glass Nevin. It was kind of right at the point where Ballymun, Glasnevin and Finglas met. So anyway, we'd, we'd wander our way up through Poppentry Park, across the football fields and over the fence and into the training centre. And I really fond memories of that time, you know, this the stuff we used to get up to in the centre and the bit of crack that we used to have. You put 12 blokes of a similar age together and, and uh, it, with a purpose, you know. And um, it can be good, and it was good. Um, so there was there was twelve of us in there. I was probably one of the youngest, although there was one lad younger than me. But he, I think, he went back to school. Um, but Decco was um, Decco was was loud. You know, good looking, tall, dark hair, dark skin, dark eyes. Uh, really uh, extroverted. I'd have no problem mixing with people always um, was beaming, uh, never in bad form, always good crack, almost too much now that I think of it. Uh, and people thought he was too much. Some people didn't like him at all. Uh, when Deco went entered the room, you knew about it, you know, which is probably why me and him got on well together, because I was very really quiet and uh, introverted, you could say. And he was the opposite. So maybe I wanted to be more like him and he wanted to be more like me. And so we mixed well and we had a good bit of crack. It was like chalk and cheese, but in a good way. Um, And we'd wander home together from the training center and meet up in the morning and head there. Um, but then after that 12 months was up, we kind of went our own ways. He, he was... Uh, serving his time as an apprentice with bachelors, I believe. They were a manufacturing company. And soon after that, I believe he left that and he went into uh, the police force here on Garda Siakana. And I had a dream that I met him in McGowan's in Fibsborough and he was smiling at me. And he was sitting with someone, I don't know who it was, couldn't see, I just have an inkling that there was somebody with him. And he had a short on, his garley short on, but it was unbuttoned at the top. And he was relaxed and his tie was off. And he was smiling at me. And I remember thinking to myself in the dream, oh, there you are. And you're doing well and all this kind of stuff, you know. But he wasn't. He was, he was gone by then. He'd taken his own life, I'd subsequently heard. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what year or the, or the date that it happened. I'm kind of apprehensive about looking into it if that makes sense, although it's been on my mind for a long time. So we lost, we we, we fell out of touch with one another. And um, I'm sad about that because maybe it could have been different. Um, but then again, maybe, maybe it may not have been. I mean, I wonder now, I'm 47 almost, what kind of challenges Deco must have been going through And I think about my own. And the challenges I go through. And how I deal with them. And how he must have been dealing with his. And it strikes me. With the. I suppose with the the background. That I've managed to. uh, Build up. um, The stuff that I've learned. About human behaviour. It seems to me that. A large portion of our personality that which we call ourselves how we engage with the world our reactions to conditions uh, what we say and what we do and how we say and do it when we meet other people the the impression that we give off of ourselves is really a defense a mechanism to protect ourselves against the world and when we grow up in a family environment that's dysfunctional and let's face it nearly every family is dysfunctional there's an element of dysfunction in every family and i i find it very hard to believe that that's not true how could it possibly be true there's no such thing as a perfect upbringing and we all have hang-ups and a large degree of our personality it seems to me the you know this sense of self this ego our response to conditions is a mechanism built up within that family environment because as Fromm said, Eric Fromm, as he wrote, the family is the microcosm of the macrocosm, the macrocosm being society. Lacan spoke about this as well, and Freud. Well, not so much Freud because Freud wasn't Freud was concerned with the individual, not so much the social uh the social impact or social influence, I should say. But Fromm was a social psychoanalyst if that makes sense he wanted to know how society dictated to us and and brought out in us those things that he could see so the family must bring out this something in us and there's a whole host of dynamics I mean it's not linear it's certainly not linear it's a whole range of things going on you know it's almost chaotic chaotic in the sense that the the process is almost a like chaos theory that there are so many bazillion things going on at once all influencing one another that it's a it's a universal something that's going on that shapes you and me and so we go out into the world and we meet other people and we present ourselves and we and as much as we try to protect ourselves from society and, and all the dangers that we perceive, both conscious and unconscious, we're also saying to the world, hey, look at me, I exist, you know, and I think that's where art is. It's an attempt by the self to show itself to the world and show itself to itself to exist, because without that pushback. Without that acceptance or non-acceptance, without that uh, exchange between me and you and the world, there is no me and you. How could we exist if there's not something to show us ourselves? Do you know what I mean? So Declan's attempt to show himself to the world, to protect himself, first of all, from whatever it was that was doing the damage Um, and his need to be somebody in the world, to exist. Look at me, I exist, was his personality and it was loud and it was, it was, it was, it was there and some people loved it and some people didn't. And me and him got on, you know, and on Fridays, the centre finished at one o'clock and we were supposed to, the company I was in, at least I think we were, uh, supposed to go to site at one o'clock and then work the rest of the day on site. But site's finished about three or four o'clock. So by the time you got there, it would be time to go home. So we used to take our few quid. I think it was 50 pounds or 53 pounds we used to make uh, a week at the time. And we'd head down into Finglas to the snooker hall. And we'd buy a few cans of Coke and drift our bars and maybe 10 smokes. Well, I'd buy 10 smokes. He wouldn't because he wasn't really a smoker. I'd buy me 10 carols. Because I wanted to be like my dad. And in we go and we play a few games of pool or snooker. And uh, we'd have the crack and he'd be slagging me and I'd be slagging him. and It was was good, you know. And I think now I'm trying to think of more stuff, more occasions when we were together. Because, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to keep him alive, you know, for myself. And I'm trying to remember... Times and maybe I'm making up the memories because we have a tendency to to do that too. We'd be play pool, play snooker, and he'd be slagging me about Gaelic football, and he'd say, "Oh, Gaelic football is is a stupid game. Sure, it's just kicking the ball over the bar. You can do that from anywhere." And he'd he'd laugh his head off at me and make fun of me, and and I wouldn't take it personally. I'd be trying to slag him, and it just wouldn't work because he was just so convinced that he was right. But it was in a it was in a funny kind of way. There was no malice in it and he he wasn't a bad bastard, you know he just wasn't he was a good bloke and um it's a shame but i I wonder uh what do you do now, you know, and I was thinking as I wrote the article today. Of other people that I've known who have gone as well at their own hand, and um, I suppose I'm dedicating the, the article to them. Um, Declan, who I've mentioned, Molly. That was his nickname. Everyone knew him, knew him as Molly, and he was the same kind kind of character. He was he was just all fun, all games. He was he was great crack, and we he was a spark as well. And we met uh, on the building sites. I was working for Riders at the time. Another friend of mine, another Sparks and played Gaelic football together. Told me that he he'd passed away, and he had a young daughter as well. And the tragedy of it. Uh, Brian, who I knew from I'm, I'm purposely leaving out surnames here. Brian, um from the north of Ireland that I knew in America he was a head case head case in a good way you know when, when he drank he was he was dangerous but he was good crack though he was some crack um Declan and Helen brother and sister they had their own torments Fran leave him laughing another mate of mine used to call Fran because he the same he was just uh He was always cracking gags, you know. Um, Paddy. He was in the construction game. So. These guys and and girls um, were just many is that one, two, three, four, five, six or seven. Um, Many more of you. Many of you listening may have lost someone to suicide, and I don't know what to tell you. Um, I sometimes wonder if it could, could have been different, something I could have done, but what do you know when you're 16? You know, what do you, what do you know about anything when you're 16? And I think that um, actually at that time, there was an album playing. It had been released in March of 91, REM, Out of Time. And Losing My Religion had caught my attention. Very provocative song, provocative video. It was a big hit at the time. You probably remember it if you were around. And that album uh, meant a lot to me. Out of time. I mean, how how more apt can you get? Uh, That was the soundtrack to that period. And uh, if you take the cosmic view that... None of us are getting out here alive that um we're all going to have our time and with that as a perspe- as a perspective, well then, what constitutes a good life? what constitutes a bad life? what constitutes a short or a long life what What does that even mean? It means nothing. it's completely meaningless. So we have this idea of what constitutes a well, a life well lived, a long life well lived. And if you're not 85 when you die, well then, or 80 or 77, well then you you left too early. So if you, if you lost a child or if you lost a wife or a friend or a partner or a brother or a sister or an aunt or an uncle or whatever it happens to be, and you think it's too early, I'm, I'm asking myself, well, why is it too early? And what can we take from that? What have we got to learn about ourselves in the process? Like, there's no life. There's no such thing as a wasted life. So if it's 30 years of age or 25 and that person chooses to leave, okay, they leave us with an almost insurmountable. There's no it's not almost about it. It is insurmountable task of dealing with that absence or the fact that that person decided to check out or that that they were so immensely pressured by the contents of their own mind and the nonsense maybe of their own existence or I don't know the point I'm trying to make is that this is the hill, you know? This is what life is. It's a series of challenges, questions that we need to ask and answer, or that are asked, and we have to answer. So what's our answer? We're all checking out. It just it just it just it's just a case of how and when. And so we have to try and deal with that. We have to try to cope and manage it, you know. Um there's absolutely, as I go on through my life, I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination. I'm in my late 40s. But as I go on through and I reflect on my own existence and my own experience, my working life, my private life, the lives of other people, the interaction, other people with each other and myself with them. And I'm watching all of this going on. I ask myself, now, what is this all about? And I honest to God, believe that when you sit in that question and you're willing to ask it and you're willing to put up with the difficulty and the challenge of trying to find the answer, that that in itself is the reason for fucking living. It's when it becomes intolerable that living becomes or not living becomes an option. And so. The task at hand is to figure out how to cope. And even if we can't, even if we can't cope and we choose to check out there's no there's there's no ultimate loss in that, maybe for the ones left behind there is a an even bigger challenge, but still it's a challenge. life is a challenge, no matter what it throws at us. that might seem ridiculous, but i I really don't have any other response than that so what- what is this about I mean you're not going to get away from the difficulty. And the, the the more we try to run away from our problems, the more difficult life becomes. It's when we face the demon that we have a chance to defeat it, you know. That's a poxy analogy, but <laughs> I've nothing else for you. Declan was a good skin and um, he had he had challenges. And, and for him, for him, they were too much. And that's all right. And I hope wherever his sisters are and his dad is, if he's still alive, and his mom, that maybe they've found a way to cope with that too. And uh, that's all we can do. Thanks for listening to this week's Sunday Letters. The article or the essay that I've written today um, follows the lines of what I've just been speaking about. So you can go read that if you want. Com. if you value what i write what i record the stuff that i'm doing consider becoming a subscriber it costs a five a month or 50 a year and you'll be helping support me in doing this work in putting this material together sharing it with you getting it out there and what have you so um if you don't that's okay sunday letters is free anyway the wednesday issue which is called the nomic is not free that goes out to uh, well occasionally i'll ping it out for free but uh that that generally goes out to uh paying subscribers so hope you consider it uh it'd be great if you do and if you don't it doesn't matter uh sundayletters.larrygmcguire.com is a link in the show notes here in the in the description so i'm back on wednesday um Maybe you have some thoughts or ideas or you've had some experiences yourself with suicide. Maybe it was attempted suicide on your own part. Maybe it was a loved one. Maybe they succeeded and maybe they didn't. I don't know. But maybe you have some experience that you'd like to share. Drop a comment on the bottom of the article or the essay today. Or you can even send me a voice message if you want. Um, but like I said at the top of the show, Discord, the Discord uh, Sunday Letters community is there. To take these conversations further and um it'd be good if you had the time to engage there links in the essay as normal and uh, i'll see you next wednesday uh this coming wednesday for the nomic until then take care of yourselves take care of the ones you love and keep your eye out for the signs all the best for now take care